Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. This episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast brought to you by our friends at the United States Concealed Carry Association. The USCCA is about something bigger than just the right to bear arms. It's a resource to help you be ready for the before, during, and after of a self-defense incident. If you're not one of the 500,000-plus responsibly armed Americans who are proud USCCA members, then now is the time to explore USCCA membership. Click Learn More below right now to learn about life-saving education, industry-leading training, and self-defense liability insurance. Trust me, you don't want to wait until it's too late for this. Plus, it's 100% risk-free with the USCCA's money-back bulletproof guarantee. Guys and gals, the USCCA exists to help you avoid danger and keep your loved ones safe. Make the commitment today to responsibly protect yourself and your family. Join the United States Concealed Carry Association right now for instant access to industry-leading educational resources, expert-led training, and self-defense liability insurance. Get the peace of mind that you deserve Click Learn More to activate your membership today. And remember, the USCCA is not an insurance company. A policy has been issued to the USCCA by Universal Fire and Casualty Insurance Company. That policy provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance subject to its terms, conditions, limitations, and exclusion. And another great thing you get with membership to the United States Concealed Carry Association is their bi-monthly concealed carry magazine. And let me tell you, there's a lot of great information in here. I enjoy reading this magazine. This is the November to December episode, and it's Guns in the Media. And it also has a lot of great tips for the right type of concealed carry weapons that are out there. So please consider joining the United States Concealed Carry Association. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. I'm really perplexed because I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I took that obligation freely without any reservation or purpose of mental eva- mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. What do I do when I'm sitting around as a citizen of the United States of America And I see our government violating our constitutional rights. I mean, so many of them. But my right of free speech and freedom of expression, I mean, it's not even hidden. 
So I figured we'd get someone that is really, really smart on something like this because, you know, I'm just a dumb old guy from down south used to jump out of airplanes for a living, shoot bad guys. I can't really <laughs> jump out of airplanes and shoot bad guys like I'd like to, you know, on Capitol Hill. So I need to talk about people, how we intellectually shoot bad guys. And so we got Ron Coleman, who is a partner at the Dillon Law Group. And the Dillon Law Group, D-H-I-L-L-O-N, of course, that's Harmeet Dillon who is without a doubt one of the brilliant political legal minds out there. She's the head of the Republican uh, Lawyers Association. And he is a resident in the New York City metro office. Ron is a commercial litigator with extensive first seat trial and appellate experience who focuses on torts of competition such as trademark infringement, unfair competition, and consumer law. Besides his trademark work, Ron is also known for his Internet-related and First Amendment advocacy regarding both religious and free speech rights. Having recently semi-retired his popular Likelihood of Confusion blog on trademark law, Ron is popular a popular influencer on Twitter with over 200,000 followers. And now that Elon Musk is there, he won't be shadow banned. He'd have even more followers at Ron Coleman and host the Coleman Nation video podcast, which focuses on free expression, cancel culture, and law. He attended Princeton University and Northwestern University School of Law. Ron Coleman, thank you so much for joining us here at the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Alan. Help us to understand how can, and when you go back and you see Jen Psaki, when she was the White House press secretary, admitting, admitting that their administration is working with private sector groups to root out misinformation. Tell me, what is going on in our country? Well, you're asking the right questions, Alan. This is this is a constitutional issue of tremendous proportions. In fact, I'm in the Bay Area today, as opposed to being on the East Coast where I live and, and practice, mm-hmm. uh, in order to attend oral arguments on Thursday morning in a case that is going to be wrestling with that, these exact issues. We're representing Rogan O'Handley, known to millions of people as DC Drano on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We sued the state of California and a number of uh, other entities, including Twitter, over their banning his account at the instruction of the Secretary of State of California because he criticized election security in California. That's unconstitutional. It's against, the, it, is, it is a violation of anyone's constitutional rights for a government entity to censor them. That's basic civics. Yeah. You, you cannot outsource, you cannot privatize censorship if you're the government. That's exactly what they did in our case. And we always had our suspicions that this was going on at the federal level as well. And what we've learned in the last couple of weeks started out with the DHS leaks. And now, thanks to the uh, revelations that Elon Musk has made possible, which sort of circle back, you might say, to what Jem Psaki was alluding to, I guess, about a year ago. This is what the government has been doing for for, for years now, including during the Trump administration. The FBI and the Justice Department have long considered themselves to be 
a government within a government. They do what they want. They don't report to political leadership. They don't, uh, they're involved in political operations, this, which is exactly what it turns out this, this has been. So the very short answer, I gave you the very long answer to your basic question. It's unconstitutional. The government can't use private companies for censorship purposes, no matter what. It doesn't matter even if the people who are speaking are saying, forget hate speech. There's no constitutional concept called hate speech. They can't even stop them from uh, false speech. A lot of people are under the impression that if it's misinformation or disinformation or any other term that they make up, that's when the government can step in and engage in prior restraint. No, it can't. It can't do that. Well, the thing is, tell me who is the arbiter that determines what misinformation is or disinformation is. Uh, the bottom line is that I should be able to go out there and you know study research and be able to express myself. I have that freedom and to be able to you know put that out there openly and, and speak about it. If I don't believe right now that climate change is the number one most important thing for our United States military, how dare someone come down and you know demonize and castigate me as a climate denier, kick me off of social media? And then the government works with people say you got to shut this person down, which is what is happening. So. Now that we have made the determination that it is unconstitutional, what are the consequences? What are the ramifications? Because the American people are sick of this. Well, there, there is going to be a lot of litigation. Um, I, because we were a bit of ahead of the curve on this, I'm uh, hoping that a, a ruling from the Ninth Circuit is, gonna, is going to open the floodgates to this. If the Ninth Circuit drops the ball, they have been known to do that before. Yeah. Um, although on First Amendment issues, they most of the judiciary in this country still understands the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And my friend Mark Rondaza uh, got a fantastic order from the Ninth Circuit uh, involving a press pass that had been refused to a, uh, a conservative blog. Uh, and by a government entity. It was Maricopa County. Um, and they said, well, you, this, is a, this is a blog that has been associated with misinformation. And he went to federal court. The federal court did drop the ball on that one in Arizona. He ran to the Ninth Circuit. Ninth Circuit said, three nothing. What are you thinking? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Guy's got to get his press pass. So there is reason for us to be confident. Meanwhile, the, in the case where, where the, the government and Dr. Fauci have been sued because of their decision to manage misinformation and, and disinformation. In fact, what we've learned is that the number one source of misinformation and disinformation about COVID was the United States government yeah. and the Centers for Disease Control and hundreds and thousands of doctors who are just parroting what they've been told yeah. and who are the experts. You can't trust experts. You can't trust the government. I didn't always say these kind of things, Alan. When you and I were young people, mm -hmm. we understood, we thought the government was on our side. Did we think that there were specific issues, specific incidents, specific secrets where they probably were not giving us the, the full story? Area 51, assassinations, CIA. Okay, so yeah. you have a military background. You understand there are times when 
sometimes the government isn't going to be completely transparent with the people. And yeah, yeah, I can, we can live with that. What we see now is that the government is, it's, we're completely in an Orwellian environment now. Agreed. Where the government and elites that are, that have basically become part of the government, social media platforms, medical profession, the legal profession, academia, uh, the, the corporate press, they're going to decide what the truth is. And they're going to say it as many times as they need to, and they're going to prevent contradictions to that truth from being broadcast unless we stop them. So people such as Harmeet and myself, we're among those, and Mark Randaza and our other, uh, other friends mm-hmm. who are fighting for liberty, we're going to do everything we can stop them because I'm not sure that there's anything else that can stop them. We, I'm, you know, we, there was a Republican, uh, you know, uh, Congress, both Senate and House, you know, six years ago, they didn't stop it. Yeah. Is the, are the Republicans in Congress going to at least hold hearings or something? Maybe, but that's pretty weak tea. It's going to have to, unfortunately, it, the last best hope on this is, is the judiciary. Uh, hopefully, again, I didn't come to San Francisco for nothing, and we'll, get, we'll hear some good stuff in the Ninth Circuit during tomorrow's oral argument. I mean, well, Thursdays. The, well, the thing, though, is the people that are perpetrating th- these horrific things, like you said, the CDC, you know, putting out that the shot, you know, prevents you from getting the, the COVID virus, which we now know is not true. Uh, a president that says the pandemic is over, but yet we still have members of the military being kicked out and we can go, you know, down the line. And of course, now we see that an administration working with a private sector organization, Twitter, based upon the dump from Elon Musk saying, do not report, do not talk about this story. An FBI that's involved in it. Who loses their job? I mean, what's the path? No one. See, that's, no that's the frustration. Let us, let's be super clear on this. You yeah. knew the answer before you asked the question. Of course I did. <laughs> the government, there is no accountability in government unless it involves a conservative. And, and even then, we saw this already during the Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is always, there's always been a certain amount of this. But the idea of somebody resigning in shame someone stepping down because of uh, impropriety, that's over. Uh, the, the Biden administration set up this uh, people's commissary, uh, 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 you know, um, what is it? Um, people's commissary, commissary, you know, of, of online truth. They got a lot of pushback. So they said, okay, we understand it was a mistake. What did they do? Everyone knew what they did. They just put it, below the surface, nothing changed. No one is responsible. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of, of legal, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of, a lot of, um, obstacles to holding the government or any member of the government legally responsible. Again, you know, if you are smart enough to be able to find a way to litigate in the fifth circuit, where there are conservative judges who see things a little bit differently from the ones on the coasts, you've got a shot at getting a case like the Fauci case going forward. But people don't resign. People don't lose their jobs. We've really reached the point, and this is even happening within our own party. You know what's going on now oh, yeah. you know, in, the, in, in the Republican National Committee. Uh, there's, there's, there are elites who manage things. They simply don't give a hoot about what anybody thinks. It's not even past the point where 
they're working very hard to hide what they are. They, they tell us what they are. They act the way people who are that are, would be expected to act. And they dare us to do something about it, knowing that we really can't or won't. Certainly the FBI, which has no right whatsoever, uh, sitting down with social media companies, which is what we're learning they actually did mm-hmm. during the election and during, you know, dur- during the, um, uh, you know, the, the COVID uh, f- business, they have no business whatsoever doing what they did. It is against the law. Will anyone at the FBI pay a, pay a price for it? Never, never, never. And Ron, that is, again, the frustration of the American people when you have this two-tiered system of justice. It's like the old Soviet Politburo, where you had those yes. who were above the line and, of course, all the rest of us, and as we say down south below it. And we can be hauled off to the, to the gulag, to the Bastille, or whatever, like you see with people from January 6th, but yet... You know, no one is held accountable for the things that you just said are unconstitutional, that are unlawful, uh, unethical, immoral, what have you. And so, you know, I'm just hoping and praying that maybe this House of Representatives under a Republican majority will use the power of the purse. Because to me, it seems like that might be the only thing in the immediate that can be done before the next election cycle. But thank God for you and Harmeet and your firm for bringing this to the forefront because we have to, you know, drag them into court. We have to, you know, put this out there. And if it need be, it gets up to the Supreme Court level. So, but let me transition to another area of your expertise, which is religious liberty and freedom. Because when I, I'm, I'm a Christian, I know you're Orthodox Jew, and there are things that we believe in between the Bible and the Torah. And of course, the Old Testament is the Torah. When I look at this new Defense of Marriage Act that passed in the Senate that is going to the House, I really believe that can be an undermining of aspects of our religious liberty and freedom, just as we've already seen uh, business owners who said, you know, because of my faith, I don't want to bake a cake for your same-sex marriage. I don't want to do the floor arrangement. And what happens they get hauled in front of the, you know, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and, and they get, you know, they lose their business and things of this nature. So how do you see this potentially affecting the religious liberty and freedom of, you know, pastors and, and, uh, and rabbis? There's going to be a lot of litigation over this, uh, over this um, legislation. And I know that the, um, the smart set and that includes a lot of the leading commentators on constitutional law who tend to come out of the sort of the libertarian school, the chaps over at Reason, um, you know, and Volokh uh, uh, Report, who are, you know, some of them are my friends. I respect them tremendously. Mm-hmm. But I think that they have, I think that they're a little bit um, mistaken mm-hmm. about the constitutionality of, the, of this statute it is it goes a lot further than it had to go in order to uh do what was supposed to be the main the, the main idea which was to guarantee to, to require states to render full faith and credit to each other's uh same-sex marriage laws um i'm not you know first of all what what they've done what i think is really fascinating here is in many respects, they're teeing up 
Obergefell, which was the yes, Obergefell versus Hodges, right? The Supreme Court opinion in which the United States Supreme Court enacted um, it's a right out of whole cloth uh, from the United States Constitution. I think they actually made it very potentially unpleasant for them tactical mistake by doing that. I think that because the the court, the majority of the court now is not one that loves Obergefell. Yeah. And giving them an opportunity to weaken it or maybe even reverse it. I mean, they were ready to reverse Roe versus Wade. Um, and on much of the same constitutional reasoning, which is that this is a state issue. Yes. Not a absolutely. constitutional issue. Absolutely. I mean, when you sit down and read the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, it very succinctly lists the 17 duties, responsibilities, jurisdictions, and purviews of the federal government. Now we have gotten so far beyond this with all of these different ideological rights that we want to grant. And the thing that upsets me is that, okay, so now you're saying that the states must be forced into recognizing same-sex marriage. I'm a concealed carry holder here in Texas. My Second Amendment right is not respected and regarded in every 50 states. And that is a constitutional right. That is in our Bill of Rights. And so, again, we're talking about things that the American people see, and it is angering them that nothing is being done about it. i give you the last word in talking about where do we go from this point, understanding that I think the seminal fight that we have in America— is against progressive socialism, Marxism, and constitutional conservatism. And also, it is against understanding constitutional rights versus these ideological rights. So how do we rectify this? Well, you know, Alan, one of the biggest challenges we face right now is that the left has completely taken over public education. Yes. And the reason these things can happen is because there's such widespread ignorance among the American disinformation, people. disinformation, disinformation, misinformation. Yeah. yeah, people don't know what what the Constitution stands for, what it provides. Every time I talk to you, you nail it. You know, you know, chapter and verse. You're not a lawyer; you're just an American. Every yeah. American should have that level of familiarity. What we have now in the public schools, of course, as you know, is a, a miasma of of aggressively pushed uh, immorality, um, a, a form of weird reverse racism that is distorting the way people interact with each other as a civil society. The long-term answer, the only way we get out of this is by major, major changes in education. And I don't know whether or not the public school system can be saved. Uh, but parents should be should be very very aware that they do not know what's going on in the school that their child attends if they're in public school. They think they do and they don't because teachers are making it their business and administrators are helping them make it their business not to let parents know what their children are being taught. Well, I will tell you that when you read the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, one of the planks of their platform was the state control of education and look at where we are in the United States of America. And that's why I think school choice is a civil rights issue of this generation currently. So bingo. Ron Coleman, thank you so very much. Give my regards to Harmeet and keep up keep up the great fight that you're all doing because we need you. 
uh, in you. this, uh, you know, what do they call it, uh, legal war that we're in with the left, uh, because that's what they're trying to do, institute their tyranny uh, through unconstitutional actions. We got to meet them on the, uh, the battlefield of law. So Thanks, thank Alan. You. you keep doing what you're doing. Together, we, we can, with God's help, we can take our country back. Amen. Happy Hanukkah, my friend. Thanks a lot, and have a great Christmas. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us in this episode of the Steadfast and Law podcast. What we talked about today with Ron Coleman about what we see happening with the unconstitutional actions in our government, we have got to have strong men and women who stand up to restore the rule of law in this great constitutional republic. Because we're not looking at being threats to democracy, but we're dealing with people that are threats to our republic, our representative democracy, and the democratic processes thereof. And so when they try to project who they are onto us, we've got to push back against that. So if you like what you have seen in this podcast, please Click the like button and share it with others because we're here to educate, inform, and activate you to stand up and fight for the longest-running constitutional republic that the world has ever known. And we right now are facing a threat more so than we have ever seen because this threat is from within. And we've got to make sure we secure America from within and also without. God bless you all. Steadfast and Lord. Before they burn it down